This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. Good morning. Man, anybody else feeling Jesus in this place today, this morning? God, I love because it does some incredible things, not just, it's about glorifying and honoring Jesus, his name and lifting him up. But at the same time, what's so amazing about it is that as we worship, it changes us and it heals us. And it just, it's, it's beautiful. It's like such a gift. So I'm so thankful to be back in this place to worship with you guys this morning. Um, I'll start out by saying this. I missed you guys last week. I missed you guys. Um, we had a, a mutant stomach bug try to take out my family last week. And uh, thank God we we're all doing a lot better. Um, healed up. It literally hit us like Tuesday and just lasted a whole long time. But grateful to be doing better. I texted uh, Joel and Ryan last Thursday, I think it was, when it hit me. And I uh, was just like, guys, I am not in good shape here. <laughs> and uh, to their credit, they immediately text me. It's like, we got you. What do you need? It was like, uh, they both text me. Say, hey, we, we got this, man. We don't, you just stay home. Please don't come to church. Matter of fact, Sunday, Saturday night, I told Joel, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'll, I'll come to church. And Joel said, no. <laughs> he said, no, don't come. Don't come to church. You're not allowed. So I wanted to come with you. I was uh, not allowed to come be here. So isn't that bad when people tell you you can't, you're not allowed to come to church? It's a little offensive, but anyways, I'm, we are very blessed to have leaders and pastors in our church that can step up like that at such short notice. Amen? Hey, y'all give it up for those guys. Y'all th- yeah, that was awesome. Matter of fact, I listened to Joel's sermon, and I was a little offended at how good it was, so it's kind of like, man. Um, but anyways, so we are um, continuing in our You Asked For It series, and if you're new here with us or if you you, know, you, you haven't been a part of this series yet. What this is, uh, is in August, we gave uh, a, basically uh, communication cards to everybody and said, hey, tell us some things that you would love to hear talked about, preached about in church, um, maybe that aren't, isn't talked about enough. And so they filled out the questions and sent these things in. And so we created a series designed around uh, the questions that you asked. And so we're calling it, you asked for it because... There you go. You guys are really smart. And so, um, yeah, and what's amazing about this series is there are so many incredible questions that we're not just doing this series based on the questions. We actually have three series that we're going to do throughout this whole next year based on all the things that you ask. So if I don't tackle your question now, uh, just hang around. It's a good way to keep you coming back to church. It'll, we'll, we'll get there. So um, we have talked about some tough subjects, haven't we? As we've been working through this, we talked about last week, Joel tackled stress and anxiety. Um, the week before that, we talked about how to deal with hard-to-love people, which is really hard. Amen? Amen. Anybody know somebody that's hard to love? Who's sitting next to somebody that's hard to love? Amen? Just kidding. I'm, you're not supposed to raise your hands, guys. So the hands across, the, across everywhere, right? Um, and then in week one, we, we talked about, um, which was one of the toughest ones, how do you deal with suffering and tragedy? So we have been through it, right? It's been some tough things. We've been talking about important things. And this week, we are going to simplify it. Uh, We're going to talk about something that's a lot more fun to talk about and something that is a lot less complicated. We are talking about the question, how do I know God's will for my life? Easy enough, right? 
That's no problem. That's an easy one, right? So we thought we'd make one a little bit less complicated. How do I know God's will for my life? Let me start off by saying this. It's good that you want to know that, isn't it? Like I think sometimes it's easy for us to uh, not so much concern ourselves with what God's will is for my life, but basically say, hey, God, here's my will for my life. Now, could you just bless it, please? Anybody been there? Like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, my will be done. Come on, Jesus. Right? Anybody? Amen. Come on, God. Bless it. Here's what I want. Now bless it. So I think it's good that that was one of the questions that we have. How do I know what my life? How do I follow God's steps for my life? And, and the Bible talks a lot about God's will and God's plan and God's design uh, for our life. Um, one thing that it says, though, in James 4, 13 through 15, kind of catches us off guard a little bit when we begin to look at it. It says this. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What will your life be? For you are like a smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> right? That's encouraging. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this or that. We read a verse like that sometimes. We go, so are we saying that we shouldn't have a plan for my life? I shouldn't make a five-year plan or a 10-year plan? Or, or, or That's not what this is saying to us. This isn't saying, hey, don't, don't make a plan or don't strategize or don't have dreams. But what a verse like this is reminding us, and I think it's important that as we talk about God's will for our lives, that we start here. He's saying, look, what's important is that we understand that our designs, we have a temporal view on the world. We have a temporal view on life. We think about a five-year plan. We think about a 10-year plan, but God has an eternal plan. God has the long view in mind. And so as we want to begin to talk about God's will, it's important that we begin by saying today, as we talk about this, pray about this, seek this out, that we start by saying, I want to align me, my heart, my desires, my will around God's. And not just say that thing that we joked about. Hey, God, here's what I want. Could you bless it, please? We need to start from remembering that he has an eternal plan. Let's begin by asking God, what is your will? How will I align myself with you? Um, I think that this is probably a question that we've all asked God. What is your will for my life? Whenever we were, I was in college, I remember over and over and over again. This was like the number one question, right? Anybody ever asked this question, God, what do you want for me? Where, where do you want me to go? Like, I remember 1920, and the question was, man, how, where do I go from here? What's like, and which is really, don't you think it's kind of dumb that 18, 19, 20, you're supposed to pick the profession of the job that you're going to do for the next 40 years of your life? Anybody else think that's stupid? I do. Yeah, right. At 18, I was qualified to make any choices, much less like that big of a choice, okay? I'm still not qualified to make too many choices. Um, but as we get into that, we begin to say, okay, this is, this is not just a question we ask once, but when we're living life, we start asking God, what is your design for me? What is your design for my family? Should I take this job? Should I marry this guy? Should I marry this girl? Should I move my family here? Should I join this church over here? And if it's the River Church, I know the answer. Yes, yes, it is. Um, I, he, he just told me, yes, it's amazing, right? Some of us, the question's easier. Should I go to Starbucks once today or twice today, right? Amen? But it always boils down to that question, God, what do you want for me? What do you want for my life? 
And really what we're asking, if we're honest, is, God, if I make this choice, is it going to be good for me? Right? If I make this choice, will it go like I would like for it to go? And we have a few different methods for how we uh, get this out. One's called the fleece method. You ever heard of the fleece method? It's where you go, God, if you want A, then let B happen, right? If you want this, then, God, if you want me to do this, then open this door. If you want me to go here, then open this door. But what happens sometimes in in the fleece method is sometimes we stack the deck. Sometimes we stack the deck. Like, like there's a story about a guy who said, hey, uh, man, I'm, I'm on this diet and I'm trying to, you know, get healthy and get in shape, but there's a Krispy Kreme donut on my way home and I love Krispy Kreme. And so he prayed and he said, Jesus, if you want me to have Krispy Kreme donut tonight, my prayer is that there would be a parking spot open right in front of the door. And he got home and his wife got onto him for getting Krispy Kreme. He said, but honey, I drove around the parking lot five times. That spot opened right up. And the hot and ready sign was on. It was the Lord, right? You're laughing because we've been there. Another one that we have is we like to try out the flipping point. You ever done the flipping point? We're praying, God, what do you want for my life? What do you want? God, should I take this job? Should I marry this person? What should I do here? Open up the Bible and go, all right, God, speak to me. And we open it up. We open it up and we go to a verse like First Chronicles 19.4 that says, So Hannah took David to shave them cut off their clothes and half at the hips and sent them away. You know, well, Jesus must have messed up. Let's try that again. And then we turn to Luke 10, 37, and Jesus told them, go and do the same. The Lord may be speaking to you today through those verses. I think there's probably a better way for us to seek out God's will for our life. And so here's what I want to do today. This is kind of, you're getting a two for one because I'm preaching two sermons to you today. And the Cowboys play at three. It's okay. We have plenty of time, right? Amen? All right, there we go. I'm going to preach two sermons to you today. One, the first half, is going to be talking about, because we're going to talk about God's will. There's some theological stuff that we need to get through, not get through, but understand how this works out, plays out before we talk about me exactly. And so we're going to talk about some of this theological stuff, understanding the different wills of God, and then I'm going to give you some very, very practical tips, six tips that I think you can take, and if you're seeking out God's will today, you're going, God, I need your help in a very specific step in my life that you can take, use today to begin to seek out his will and understand maybe where he's directing you in your life. All right? Let's do it. First thing that I want to talk about today is when we we talk about the God. There's really, that's really a big question. There's several different wills of God that we could discuss. The first one is called the sovereign will of God. If you have your notes today, that's the first blank, the sovereign will of God. And you say, well, Mike, what is that? What's the, what's the sovereign will of God when you say that? This is the big picture view of God's will for the world. That's the big picture bird's eye view. Sovereign meaning he is in control. Sovereign meaning he's in charge and it's his and for not just you or for me, but for all of creation. And this is the part of God, the sovereign will of God that cannot be changed, that won't be changed, that cannot be messed up or broken because he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, he's in charge, he's God, he is a sustainer, he is almighty. Somebody say amen on there, amen, right? Amen, right? And we can praise God for this because this is good that he is in charge, that we serve a God, pray to a God, worship a God who is in charge. 
part of his sovereign will is something like this. First Peter 18 through 21. Say, what is, what is God's sovereign will? What does that look like? What does that mean? First Peter 1, 18 through 21. For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life through an inherited, inherited from the... Well, hello, Trent. <laughs> is this microphone not working good? You guys are only getting like half of what I'm saying, man. I'm sorry. All right, let's start this over. So the sovereign will of God, say part of this is, so what is God's sovereign will? What is his design? Here's part of his design. We can understand it. We can know part of it. For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with with perishable things like gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world. Do you see that? That's part of God's sovereign will. Before the foundation of the world, before he created the earth, God had chosen to do this certain thing. And here it is right here. Talking about Jesus, that it would be revealed at the end times for you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, there was a lot that was just said there, but here's what I want us to get out of that. What he's saying is it it was God's sovereign will. It was God's plan that before the entire world was created, that that when sin broke the relationship that we have with God, when sin came in and jacked that whole thing up, that God would come in the flesh through Jesus Christ to die on the cross and raise again to give us the hope of salvation. That wasn't just something that God came up with and was like, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Uh, Jesus, go. No, this was part of God knew what he was doing. This is part of his sovereign will. And there was nothing, and this is where we get to say amen again, there was nothing that was going to stop God from doing that. Amen? Like, there was no plan from Satan. Satan wasn't like, I'm going to get in here and mess this up. I'm going to screw this up. I'm not going to let this happen, right? There was nothing that any human could do. The economy wasn't going to change this. The weather wasn't going to change this. Pilot, when they're screaming, crucify him, crucify him, and he goes, well, you know what? I don't think I will. That wasn't going to stop it either. It was the sovereign will of God that Jesus would come and Through Jesus Christ, mankind could have redemption, salvation, hope that the relationship with God could be restored through Jesus Christ. Amen. So long story short, part of God's sovereign will is that Jesus would come, that we could have the hope of salvation through Jesus, that we could have redemption uh, through him. And part of that sovereign will is that he is a redeeming creation even today, that he's working even today, right? That he's doing stuff through earth and creation in our lives, through our lives, redeeming, changing, transforming. And that is something that can't be stopped, won't be stopped. Amen? And what that means is he's working throughout creation, moving and shaping and changing so that we could be saved. That Jesus was coming and he was going to change everything. And that's a beautiful thing. The second part of God's will that I want to talk about today is the moral will of God. The moral will of God. Now, sovereign is big picture. Sovereign is the things that he's doing in and through creation. Um, The moral will of God is more of a focused picture, God's design for creation. Like when we read in the scriptures, love God, love people. This is the way that God designed for us to live life morally. These are the things that he outlines in scriptures like that we need to stay inside of his will. These are the lines. This is the way that we are designed to live life. You say, what do you mean? Like, these are the ideas that won't change. Like, lying is bad. Murder is bad, right? Like, coveting is bad. Jealousy is bad. And so these are the things that 
won't change. And sometimes when we talk about the moral will of God, like his design for the way that we should live, um, kind of we get a little bit out of shape about that sometimes, or some people can. <laughs> and what I would say here is that God designed you, he created you, he loves you, he knows what's best for you. And sometimes we can get upset about this idea of the moral will of God is how can somebody, how can God tell me what to do? Well, well let, me, let me put it this way. We don't like being told what to do, but the moral will of God is really good for you. The moral will of God is really good for you. Like not stealing, that's probably a good thing. Not murdering people, I'm going to go with good, right? I'm going to go with good on that one, right? And, And as we follow this moral will, part of it too is what's amazing is that we understand God's nature. The closer we get to this, the more we live in it, we understand who he is because this is part of who he is. Like when we read things in the scriptures and his moral will where he's saying, hey, lay down your life for one another. He's saying live with this self-sacrificial love for other people. The more we live in that and breathe in that, the more we understand who God is because that that's him. That's what he did for us. When we talk about Jesus Christ, that sovereign will, Jesus coming and salvation, having the hope of salvation. What I will say is that unlike the sovereign will of God, where he is working in mankind to uh, redeem mankind, those who would accept forgiveness and be saved. Unlike the sovereign will of God, the moral will of God, it cannot be changed. Like nobody's changing it. Like God's not going to go, okay, lying's not bad anymore. But it can be broken. Do you understand the difference there? It cannot be changed, but it can be broken by us. And what I mean is that we can screw it up by the way that we live our lives, by living outside of it, because we have free will, right? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Anybody murdered anybody lately? Raise your hands, because we need to know who you are. (laughs) We need to get you out of here, right? How about this? Anybody lied today, this week? Nobody's raising their hands on that one either, huh? Anybody ever lied ever? All All right, okay, we got you on that one. We got you on that one. Still, some people didn't raise their hands. Wow. <laughs> All we have is people who will admit to being liars and liars, right? right? So, so what do we do then? If we, we know that we've broken that moral will of God, what we do is we repent, we ask God for forgiveness, and we come back under it. And this matters for us because part of how life gets broken and our lives get messed up is because we go against this moral will of God. Like a lot of when we did the who when we did the, the survey, a lot like the number one question that came into suffering and came into um, tragedy was why is the world broken? Why are things like this? Why? And, and a lot of those questions come back to sin. A lot of those the answers to that comes back to breaking this moral will of God that causes pain in our lives. Because when we break that moral will, there's, it's like throwing a rock in a pond. There are ripple effects, right? Like when I don't love my wife, like Jesus teaches me to love my wife, that causes pain, that causes ripple effects, that cause, right? You understand? You understand what I'm saying? And when we steal, when we lie, when we, these things cause ripple effects. They hurt other people. They hurt ourselves. And sometimes they, they mess things up pretty bad. And so God has designed a way for us to live life. And so that's the moral will of God that we would follow that and walk in that. Number three, This is the one that we really care about the most, the personal will of God. The personal will of God. Like you're like, all right, sovereign will, okay, whatever, Jesus, cool. Okay, moral will, all right, I'm good. Now, what about me? What about me? This is where we get in it. We're going, God, who do I marry? God, do you want me to marry this person? God, do you want me to take this job? This This is the everyday stuff. God, where do you want me to go here? Do I go left? Do I go right? How do I walk in this, right? Do you want me to go to this school? Do you want me to send my kids here? God, do you want to make me rich? I promise I'll bless people, right? Amen. All right. 
this is God's will for our personal lives. Where do you want me to go from here, Jesus? And, and here's, here's the reason why I walk through all of these is because I want us to understand that God's plan for you, his personal plan for you, ties into all three of these things, right? So um, God's sovereign, moral, and personal will. God has a design and a will for your life, but it will not operate or go against his moral will for his life, and it will tie into his sovereign will for humanity, which is that people would get saved and be redeemed. You understand? Those, those three things all tie into and walk together. So let me say this. The more we understand the sovereign will of God, that his design and desire for people to get saved and be redeemed, uh, the more we'll, and the more we live in the moral will of God, the better it's going to be able for us to discern God's personal will for my life. The more we'll be able to discern God's personal will for my life. And what you'll see more and more is how God's personal um, will for your life will tie back into those things. The more you're going to see how it will tie into those things. And when we understand God's sovereign will for mankind, for redemption, it's going to inform the job that you have because you're going to see your job differently. Because now it's not just a job that you have to make money so that you can do things you want, but now understanding okay, God's sovereign will for creation is that people would get saved, that, that people's lives would be changed. Now my job isn't just a job for me to make money, but it's a place where I can make a difference. Right Now my, my, my family is just about, all right, how can I make my family successful and give my family to be good and make, you know, do well? But it's like, how can, I, how can I teach my family to love Jesus? How can I teach my family to see Jesus? Right? Like, it, like even things like we were talking about this at our community group, it even informs like, where do I spend my Tuesday night? A community group, getting to know Jesus, learning, right? growing. Right? It, it informs even this, what do I do with my free time? And so the more we understand these things, the more it's going to inform God's personal will for my life. And they're going to all tie in together and work together, right? Everybody got it? Got it. Got it. All right. Now, I know what you're thinking. We understand all this, Mike. Now, how do I live this out? (laughs) How do I live this out? Like, how can I discern that? How can I, okay, I get it. God wants to use my life to be part of the redemption of creation, that people would get saved, that people would um, have their lives changed by Jesus. Um, I'm going to live in this moral, moral will of God. I'm going to follow him faithfully. Now, now, do I marry the girl, right? Do I take the job? Okay, here's some, I think, some very practical ways that we can begin to, to discern this. As we understand, here's how we can discern this. Number one, I'm going to give us six questions that we can ask today um, to help us understand how we can discern God's will for my life today. The number one question there is, am I in right relationship? Am I in right relationship? Right relationship with who? With Jesus. With Jesus. This one ties back into earlier the moral will of God. Like, am I, am I asking God to move me and direct me and shape my life, but maybe I'm not actually a Christian? And what I would tell you is in his sovereignty, he is moving and shaping and guiding your life in certain ways, but it's foolish to think that we could come under God and get him to direct your steps. And if we don't actually know him, we don't actually have a relationship with him. So the first thing I would ask is, am I in right relationship? Do I know Jesus? Am I saved? Let me say this. If you're not, what a great day to do it. Amen? Everybody better say that. All the Christians say amen. All right, did you notice anybody not saying amen? They may not be a Christian. Let's talk to them. Find them. Let's get them. Am I in right relationship with Jesus? 
Do I, am I a Christian? Secondly, here's this one, am I in sin? Am I trying to hear from God? Am I asking God to direct my steps, but I know that I'm living outside of that moral will? Do I know that I'm living outside of that moral design for my life? Because here, here's what's going to happen, and this is the most frustrating thing, man. When you're living in that sin or when you're, when you're living outside that moral will, it's the most frustrating thing because you come to God and you're like, hey, Jesus, I know that's not right over here, but, but could you direct my steps? Could you guide me? Could you show me where to go? And he's going to go, yes, we can talk about that, but let's talk about this first. Mm, it just grinds your gears, man. Because you don't, you don't, we don't want to, oh, come on, Jesus, just tell me. Let me say this. One thing that's amazing about our God that is so frustrating but so good is that he cares eternally more about your soul than he does about where you work. And so what's going to happen is we're going to go, God, should I take this job? He's going to go, we can get there, but let's first deal with this thing in your heart. We can get there, but first let's deal with this thing that's throwing you off. We can get there, but first let's deal with your soul. Why? Because he loves you. And he's infinitely more concerned about your soul and you being in right relationship with him than where you work. Because again, going back to that first, that first scripture, right? Man, that job you're going to have, we're so stressed about it. Maybe it'll last 30 years. You know it lasts a lot longer than 30 years? Eternity, right? <laughs> He's infinitely more concerned with your soul. And so if we need to hear clearly from God, the first question we need to ask, am I in right relationship with you, Jesus? If I'm going to hear from you, what do I need to get out of the way, stop doing, or start doing that could connect that, that can connect that, those lines of communication? Number two, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And let me qualify this by saying that we've heard people say, this is the roadmap to life. This is not a roadmap. This will not tell me how to get to my house. Right? Like if I open it up and you're praying about something, and when I was praying about should I marry Katie, I didn't open it up, and it was like, and Mike should marry Catherine. Right? If that happened to you, that's amazing, right? But it did not happen for me. But what the Bible is, is the inspired word of God that talks about his redemptive plan for creation. And this word reveals himself to us as we read it, we learn it. And it's where it's a place where God talks to us. And it's a place that gives us wisdom. So if you're asking a question, should I do this? Should I do that? There is wisdom in here that will help guide you, help direct you. So, so the Bible may not say you should marry X or you should marry Y, right? But it will give you wisdom to help you make wise choices. And it will reveal to you times when it's obviously a no, meaning if it's sin or if it's wrong, if it's outside of God's moral will, you read it, you understand. You go, okay, well, apparently, apparently he's against this. Maybe we shouldn't do it, right? All right, number three, have I sought biblical counsel? So number one, am I in right relationship? Number two, what does the Bible say? Number three, have I sought biblical counsel? So as we're trying to discern God's will for my life, who have I talked to about this? Now, as you make, as we make decisions about jobs or whatever life may be, one of the best things we can do is talk to other Christians who can give us a biblical point of view. And I would throw this out there also, and who know you well who know you well, right? Because I believe that God can speak through them to you. They can help you see things that maybe you haven't seen. They can help you hear things that you haven't heard. They can help come outside of your perspective. I, When I was graduating from college, um, I was 
trying to consider, what am I going to do next? What are, where am I going to go next? And there are several things I was considering. One was um, going to school and furthering my degree. Another one was I had a couple job offers. I was praying about those. Um, I, one thing that I was considering the most, which I, nobody really knows this, I was considering going and getting a, like, a counseling degree, like a, you know, become a therapist or a counselor. And so um, some of you that know me well may laugh at that, but as I was praying about that and seeing, I, was t- I met with a professor of mine at school who was a mentor. I was in his discipleship group. He's actually preached here at the river before. And I was talking to him. I said, hey, Keith, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Here's what I'm praying about doing. I'm thinking about doing this counseling thing and seeking this out. And he said, he looked at me, he goes, Mike, that is a terrible idea. So why don't you think I'm wise? I care about people. And I kid you not, this is what he told me. Mike, I'm going to use his words, so forgive me. You suck at empathy. <laughs> he said, Mike, you, you're a problem solver. You, are a, you, you want to lead. And really, you've talked about this church planning thing. That's what you need to do, Mike. Shut it down. And let me say this. He was right. He helped me see something about myself that I didn't see. And it's not that I don't want to counsel people or not. Like now you're like, I'll never come to Mike with a problem. It's not that. But what he understood about me was that if I sat in that day after day after day after day, it would suck the life out of me. Does that make sense? So it's not that I don't care about you and you can't talk to me about things that you have going on. I do care very much. And God has changed that about me a lot. Thank Jesus. Um, but he understood if I stayed in that every day, it would hurt me. You need people that can speak life into you, speak truth into you, um, that you can walk through, hey, I'm considering this, I'm walking through this. You need to talk to somebody sometimes to get an outside perspective. Um, let me say this, you do not have to take their advice because sometimes you have friends that talk to you and they give you advice and it sounds like good advice and maybe it is, but it's not ultimately the place God is leading you. You don't have to take their advice but it's always good to talk to somebody in your community group, talk to somebody that you know well um, that can help you see outside of yourself, get a, a different perspective, someone you trust, someone who knows Jesus, someone who can speak from a biblical point of view, and it may help confirm what God is already telling you, or it may discourage you from making a mistake like Keith did for me because you maybe you're not hearing God's voice clearly in the moment, or maybe you're, you're trapped on something and they can help you see it from a bigger point of view. So, let me say this, it's important that if you're seeking God's direction, that you seek it from people who know Jesus, right? Because if they're, they're coming from outside of a Christian point of view or, or a biblical point of view, they might not have the same values or consider the same things that you would as you're seeking the Lord's will. Amen? All right. Number four. Now, this is my favorite one. What would Jesus do? I was joking. We're going to hand out those bracelets. Did anybody ever have one of those bracelets back in the day? Yeah, buddy, right? Yeah, buddy. Now you say, what would what would Jesus do? Would I don't Jesus didn't get married. How would he know if I should marry her, right? He didn't do it. You're saying if the answer is no, I can't get married, right? <laughs> what I what I'm saying is it's important that sometimes we need to step back and consider, like, okay, as we're looking at maybe it's a personal relationship, how should I treat this person? How should I respond to this person? What should I do in this situation? Sometimes we get caught up in my rights and what I'm owed and how I blah, blah, blah. We need to step back and go, okay, how would Jesus respond here? How would You're seeking God's direction. How would Jesus walk in this situation? Um, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you saw... Uh, one of the biggest news stories of the week, the police officer um, thing that just happened this week. Um, 
uh, what I'm speaking to, if you haven't heard about it, was the police officer who walked into the wrong apartment and, and accidentally shot, shot a young man. And it was tragic and sad. And like the whole thing is just so sad. The whole thing is so tragic, right? Um, I cannot imagine being on either side of that, like either side of that, like making, making that mistake, having to live with the results of that mistake. Like it's just, but the most amazing thing in that story that I, we haven't seen in a long time happened this week where the brother of the victim stood up and spoke. Did you guys see that? Raise your hand if you saw that. Yeah. Again, if you don't know, he sat on the stand, was allowed to make a victim testimony. And as he stood on the stand and spoke to the woman who had accidentally shot and killed his brother, he said some incredible things. He said, I love you. He said, I forgive you. He said, I don't hold this against you. And he said, I don't even hope that you like rot and like suffer for this. He said, what I hope is that you have a good life. What? And he said, most importantly, I hope you find Jesus. How incredible is that? And what I think about is we, we walk through what is God's will? What is the will of God? And I don't know if that young man thought through this whole process, but I know that he understood the process. Because what he understood was God's sovereign will is that mankind would be redeemed, be saved, that people would know Jesus, have their life transformed by Jesus. Here I am sitting in this hurt and this pain, but this is not how God would want me to respond. What he, what his hope for, what, and he understood this, what God's hope for this woman is, is that she would know him. Come on. That is a powerful testimony. Like I watched, <laughs> y'all don't kick me out of the church. I watched The View, <laughs> the TV show The View. Sometimes, occasionally, when it's on. Every morning with my coffee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I do, honestly, is I, I want to know that these ladies' perspectives, because a lot of times it's very different than my perspective and outside of what I would how I would think. And so I want to know what they think. I want to know what they have to say. I want to understand uh, topics from a perspective outside of my, my perspective. And so I'll watch it. And, and so of course, when this happened, I said, I want to know what these, I want to know what these ladies have to say because they're very harsh on Christians. Right. And as if you saw, if you watch the view, <laughs> don't, don't admit to it because this church is very mean about that. Um, um, but as I was, I, I turned on, I pulled up YouTube and watched the clip. They showed the clip of the young man speaking. They go back to the, the panel and Whoopi Goldberg goes, that is a Christian. These ladies who are so harsh, so anti, she looks at it and she goes, that's what a Christian is supposed to look like. As we're viewing, how should I, how should I walk in this? How should I move in this situation? How should I respond? What is God's will for me? That's a really good picture of that. Stepping back, understanding how would Jesus respond to this? What was What is God's sovereign will for this situation? How would he want to move in this situation? And how can he use me to bring that to fruition? More than just about, will I make more money? Which is also important. Which is important, right? But what does God want in this outside of those finite things? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Number five do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? As you're praying about the question, as you're asking 
the God to help you move and make the decision. Really, this is, this is not a small thing. Do I sense God's peace? Sometimes God will move you to make crazy decisions. He will call you to some things that sound like they're nuts, but it is absolutely in his will. I think about Natalie, who, if, if you don't know who Natalie is, she is a, uh, she used to come to the river church. She left us to move to Africa. She's a missionary for the River Church in Uganda. She left a great professional job to go live in Uganda to start a speech therapy clinic for kids. Now, when she started thinking about that, people are going, you're crazy. Move to Uganda. What is wrong with you? She goes, I have a piece about this. I know what God's doing. I know where he's taking me. As you pray about it. Now, I'm not saying we should all move to Africa. Maybe some of you should, right? But... Do I have a piece of this as, as God's moving? Maybe this sounds crazy. This sounds wild. It doesn't necessarily make sense. But do I just have this peace? Do I know that this is the Holy Spirit talking to me and moving me and shaping me, right? That's, that is not something to be looked down on. Peace, peace that, pers- that surpasses all understanding, right? It doesn't make sense. And yet I just know. When we went to plant the river church, made no sense. We had no money, had no people, had no building for a church. But as we're thinking about this prayer, this, we had, we had a lot of, Peace. This is where we know, right? Now, I will warn us against this, though, although it is very important, we have to make sure that we're not conjuring up that peace. Do you know what I'm saying? Because uh, sometimes we'll conjure it up and go, yeah, I have peace about it. Although uh, God will never give you peace about something that goes against Scripture. God will never give you peace about something that uh, is definitely something Jesus would not do. If everyone's counseling you against it, it's probably not from Jesus. And if it's outside of God's moral will, if it's outside of that, you know, that code, the scriptures, it's, it's, a, it's the devil. <laughs> devil is a liar. And he's trying to trick you. That's not a real peace. I heard a pastor tell a story about a, a lady who came to him. This is, I was listening to a sermon a few weeks ago. He said a lady came to him and said, um, hey, uh, pastor, I want to talk to you. Um, I just feel like God's leading me to leave my husband and my family to come to go run away with this guy that I met. <laughs> and he's like, that's what? And he said, but God's just given me such a peace about it. That's the devil. <laughs> that ain't Jesus, right? And that is sin, just so we're all on the same page, <laughs> Right? God will never give you peace about something in a direction that is obviously against his, his moral will. So as you take bold steps to follow Jesus, sometimes it won't make sense, but sometimes you'll have a real peace and you'll know you're headed in the right uh, direction. Number six, and the final thing that we have, do I sense God's peace? Number six, is it my will or is it God's will? This is one of the hardest things sometimes to discern because sometimes there's things that we want so badly and we think we're, we think we're seeing God all over it, but we're that dude at the Krispy Kreme driving round and round and round, right? I'm going to keep circling this wagon until that front parking spot opens up, right? Sometimes we have to walk in this, okay, is this, is this something as I'm praying and I'm seeking God's direction? God, are you telling me no, but I keep pushing through it? God, God, do I know that this is not where you want me to go, but this is something that I want so much that I'm going against it, even though I know it's not your will for my life. What I want, we have to be people in a church who are bold enough to go, God, I want your will, not my will. Amen? And what's really beautiful is as we follow Jesus long enough, those things start to line up. Because really the question we want, or the thing we want to ask God is, God, I don't want it to be follow your will or my will. I want my will to be your will. 
right? Not bless my will, but Lord, line my will up with your will. So is it my will or is it God's will? And finally, let me say this. Now, this isn't in your notes, but I think this is important to say. We can understand those things, those the three wills of God that we talked about. We can um, walk through these steps, these six steps. There were six, right? Yeah, we can walk through these six steps. And sometimes at the end of the day, we come out of it because this isn't just some foolproof five-step, six-step plan. Sometimes we come out of it and we go, I still don't know what to do. I still don't know where to go. Here's what I would say as you're trying to discern God's will for your life. At the end of the day, ultimately, what we can rest in is a trust in our God. We can trust not just in his will for creation, but his sovereign will for you. Because we have a God, we serve a God who is in control. And and we can do everything we want to try to be wise and make good decisions and take the right steps. And sometimes the economy crashes. Sometimes you'd be wise and you try to make, and you get laid off. Sometimes you make the right decision. You try to do, be as wise as you can and things that are outside of anything you can control happen. What we have to do as Christians is trust Jesus and trust his will for you, right? Because God's not up in heaven going, well, I was going to bless her life and I was going to work in it, but she took the wrong job. What am I going to do now? He knew that you would mess up. (laughs) He knew you'd make the wrong choice because he created you (laughs) and he's sovereign and he's good and he's in control and he's God. We need to know he has a plan, that he's bigger than that. And maybe if we're in here today, maybe, maybe, Maybe we've tried to make wise choices and we've made the wrong decision, or maybe even we know we've made some missteps along the way, right? Maybe we made some steps that now we're realizing, yeah, that was kind of outside of what God was wanting me to do. Maybe we've made choices that have hurt us. Maybe we've made choices that have even left some scars along the way. say this, and I mean this with all sincerity, you need to understand today that God is more powerful than your mistakes. Like when we talk about his sovereignty, we talk about his will, we talk about who he is. He is bigger than that. He is more incredible. He is the king of kings, the creator, the sustainer, the alpha, the omega. He's bigger than your mistakes. He's bigger than the wrong decisions. He knew you would make them. we do now is we try to follow him. We try to walk in it now. We, we trust him. We believe he's all powerful. We believe he's this loving God. We believe that he can heal it. We believe he can make it right. We believe he can correct it. We believe he can move in it. We believe that he can change the situation because that's who our God is. And so this morning as we try to understand and walk in, hey, what is God's will for my life? How do I live in this and breathe in this and move in this? We do everything that we can to be wise. We do everything we can to make the right choice. And at the end of the day, we trust Jesus. And if we've made the wrong decisions in the past, if we've made those mistakes that have scarred us, press into Jesus, trust Jesus, ask him today to move and heal today. Let us be a people who chase after his will for creation, who 
follow his moral will for our lives and let us let those principles guide our our choices and his will for my life today. Let us be a people who will seek God's will over any, that we would seek his redemptive plan for creation over any other plan, that we would see it live out, not just in the world around us, but through our lives, through our families' lives, through those we serve, through the people we love, through the choices we've made. And maybe this morning you're someone who's been seeking the will of God, and maybe you're realizing one of the reasons why I haven't been hearing this clearly is because I've been living outside of this moral will for my life. I've been making those mistakes. I've been operating outside of that and asking God to bless that. In a second, we're going to take communion. We're going to have communion available for you to come up if you would like. We're going to worship and sing one more song. As we do that, I would encourage you to pray on that, to meditate on that, to think on that, to repent of that, and to come to Jesus and say, God, I want to make it right. God, I want to live back inside this. I want to exist back inside this. God, I want to hear you. I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. I want you to guide my life, and I surrender it to you. And maybe even outside of that, maybe you're somebody who's in here, and you're going, man, Mike's been talking about this, and I actually don't know if I'm a Christian. (laughs) I've never actually surrendered my life over to him to guide my life, to direct my life. I would encourage you as we take communion, as we sing this last song, man, give it over to him today. Surrender it today. Say, God, today is the day I want you to be in charge. I want you to be in control. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me of my sin, those things, the mistakes that I've made. I want you to redeem me. I want you to heal me. I want you to make me yours, God. And as we do that, as we sing this last song, I would encourage you to pray and ask God to do that. And then let us know, because we want to party with you, man. That's awesome, right? So I'm going to pray, and we're going to do that this morning. Amen? God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that you are in control, God. Thank you that you have a plan for not just my life, but all of our lives. That you have a plan for creation, Jesus. Lord, sometimes we make mistakes, and sometimes even in wisdom, we, we make the wrong, or trying to be wise, we make the wrong choice. But God, I pray that we would be a people and a church who would seek after your will above all other wills, God. That we would be a people and a church who want to see creation be redeemed by the Savior of the world, God. That we would be a place where people come in and, and, and they get saved. That we would be a place where people would come in and you would change their lives, God. That, that even today, that everyone who is in this place today, you would be working and moving and transforming us, God. That as we surrender our will over to your will, that we would be able to discern well, we would be able to see that well, and that we would follow it diligently and wisely, God, step by step behind you, Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone in here who has scars or just things that maybe they've made wrong choices, now they're living in that, God, I pray that you would heal it today. I pray you would redeem it today, God. I pray you would help them to see it differently today, Jesus. Lord, move and speak. Be God in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.